Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. In this Getting to Know You episode, Roxana Mehran talks with Barry Katzen about taking down turf battles. Hello, it's Roxana Moran coming to you uh, on Rock's Heart Radio in our series of Getting to Know You. And as you know, I get the opportunity, I'm such a lucky girl, I get the okay. opportunity to interview and have a chat with some of our giants uh, and uh, the giants in our field in interventional cardiovascular therapeutics. And I'm here today with no other than Dr. Barry Katzen, who is uh, the founder and the chief medical executive executive uh, of the uh, vascular and Cardi- Miami Vascular and Cardiac Institute. Tell me what, okay. what that is and where you are, and I know it's a whole system-wide sure. huge title. So Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute was something I founded in about 32 years ago as a way of uh, developing patient-centered, multidisciplinary, and integrated care. Uh, it was started in a single hospital at the time, Baptist Hospital of Miami, and as the system has grown now to 11 hospitals in multiple counties and multiple entities, uh, the model became so well accepted that we became a system-wide enterprise about five or six years ago. So now Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute is responsible in a large healthcare system for the quality, uh, uh, quality of care and standardization of care uh, throughout um, all of the hospitals, all the outpatient centers, and anywhere cardiac and vascular care is delivered in the enterprise. So um, it's proven to be a very successful uh, model and uh, developed a unique culture of its own. Well, welcome to our program. Uh, we really feel it's very, a pleasure, very thrilled a pleasure to be here speaking with you. To have you, um, I've admired you, looked up to you for all of my career. Um, so, we want to get to know you. So, tell us, uh, Barry, yeah. <laughs> where were you born? Well, um, tell us. Kind about of an open book, sure. I'm yeah. happy to. So, I was born in Miami. Uh-huh. Actually, well, so uh huh. So you're really dedicated and, uh, to I'm Miami. I'm local. Yeah, I was local, but. Uh, a good part, and I went to school uh, um, locally, and I went to Emory, uh, mm-hmm. undergraduate, and then uh, the University of Miami School of Medicine, where I graduated from. I actually did not have a college degree, mm. uh, so um, not exactly a college dropout, but I went I to medical so. school yeah. after 90 credits, so I wow. uh, never got a college degree. And then uh, uh, trained in radiology at Cornell here in New York, at New York Hospital. It was a great time. and then. Uh, uh, ultimately uh, had a fellowship and became chief of cardiovascular radiology at the time at St. Vincent's Hospital in here in New York. And I worked together with cardiology and I've been very fortunate to have had um, multidisciplinary interactions and training throughout my whole life. So um, even though I lead a cardiovascular program, I'm actually cardiac trained because in those earlier years, um, radiology did much of the invasive cardiac imaging, we worked highly collaboratively. So we were co-directors of cath labs and things like that. Um, during all this time, I was able to co-mingle international studies um, with, uh, with, with my regular uh, study track. And what it did was uh, enable me to really get a sense, uh, which was important at the time, uh, 
um, that all knowledge doesn't come from the United States. Uh, and in those years, those earlier years, there, there was somewhat of a provincial attitude that way. So uh, studying in Europe at a time when uh, what now we call less invasive therapy or image-guided therapies in the broadest sense was just beginning um, was a very, very exciting time mm -hmm. for me. So amazing, you know, I, I think of you as such an incredible innovator. Um, you had the concept of the heart team before it even existed. You yeah. were there working uh, and uh, with a cardiologist way back when, when we didn't even have uh, interventional cardiology very well, and you know we we, we were not uh, well versed in it as yet. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was it had just begun. Uh, and what I'm really amazed is your global. Uh, interactions and collaborations that have really kind of culminated now into this, uh, I think, uh, a global impact of interventional cardiology and I and and interventional vascular therapeutics, mm -hmm. and, which is how we should be talking about it. Because when you started, vascular surgeons were doing open um, procedures, and and now you brought them into the fold. In a really, you know, what I was seeing, what you were doing at Baptist um, when I first yeah. came in, I said, oh boy, the vascular surgeons are learning that open procedures are out and you brought them into the fold. Yeah, you I, want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, there must have been turf battles back then. Yeah, I, I think the early parts of uh, endovascular therapy, including the cardiac side, uh, was, was associated with considerable amount of turf battles as uh, people were more concerned uh, with the who's going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been more concerned with changing the way healthcare is delivered and the way patients are treated and, mm -hmm. and finding ways of treating them for the better. Uh, less concerned about the who, who than the what and the how and, and getting you know, common mm -hmm. results. And so we began, uh, if you take something like endografts, all right, um, vascular surgery didn't really appreciate this movement that was developing. And, and since they control the flow of patients, they could actually influence it until the beginning of endografts. But many vascular surgeons uh, for aortic disease. So when lasers came along, when peripheral angioplasty came along, um, they were pretty unified as this is an unproven procedure, it's dangerous for patients, um, we shouldn't be supporting it, et cetera, et cetera. Now, so there were some exceptions. Um, but um, with the development of the first aortic uh, aneurysm uh, treatment endovascularly, there was sort of an awakening that occurred. Now, many surgeons didn't appreciate this, but in Miami what we did is we went to our vascular surgery colleagues. Um, I was the only non-surgical PI of an endograft trial, by I the way, in those that. days. And uh, <laughs> we said, listen, this is something that's gonna change your life. You may not believe in it right now, but we're gonna set up a model where we're gonna work together on every case. We'll take money off the table and develop a collaborative way of sharing revenue. So, and we'll ensure that you will not be made obsolete that you're going to be learning with us as we do this. And I think in the beginning they said, okay, you want us to do the cut down, fine, you go and play. Um, but we actually, we actually um, walked the walk about that and um, really tried to take away the threat about someone becoming obsolete. And I think um, ultimately building these teams, as you say, when TAVR came along and the need for heart teams became more regulated, we already had those teams together because we were working, you know, we were working as teams. Um, and the heart team model now has taken it to another level in terms of decision making and, and, and a lot of things that have benefit patient care. So, um, and I think it's finally, it takes a long time to change culture in an organization. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think actually our culture of multidisciplinary collaboration, while it may 
it's not not, not always lovey-dovey. It's it's highly collaborative and mm -hmm. uh, it's patient-centered. Well, I love that patient-centeredness mm -hmm. that you bring to the table because now more and more we're going to be incorporating patients yeah. into the conversation of what is best for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just saw the ischemia trial presented uh, last week, yeah. and it really just kind of speaks to us about having to making sure that the patients come in. So you grew up most of your life then in in Miami. Well, I, I, uh, until I went to, uh, until I finished medical school, yeah. I went away to college, and then um, and then I spent 17 years in the Northeast, more or less Northeast, right. Mid-Atlantic, and then... Uh, so were you there during the transformation of the uh, the not-so-hot Miami into the hottest hottest uh, ticket in town, yeah. Miami? So... Um, <laughs> How was that? Miami has changed dramatically since oh. I moved back. When I, I moved in 1987, mm -hmm. the 80s were a difficult time. Yes. It was the cocaine cowboys, the, sure. uh, it was... Uh, fairly violent, disruptive place, mm -hmm. or Banana Republic governments, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. all of this sort of stuff. And when I left uh, a very credible, really nationally positioned position <laughs> to go to Miami, most of my peers thought I had lost my mind. Um, mm. But one of the things I've done in my life is um, done a lot from scratch, starting from scratch. When I, when I started in New York, the program I started, um, we did the first angioplasty in New York City, mm. peripheral angioplasty. Yeah. Well, there wasn't coronary angioplasty. Uh, since daughter, so it was over a decade, it's and uh, we began developing the interest here in New York and multiple centers. And um, in those years, those early years um, after my training, it was like every day was a first or something. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a very, very exciting town time. And so, so many huh? firsts. Yeah, firsts excite you. It was just yes, uh, oh we yeah. Can say well, that? somebody once asked me, you know, what's my favorite procedure to do? Because we we do a variety mm -hmm. of procedures and. I've always really said the first of anything. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. And if after I've done a certain number, it's more about teaching everybody else. And I'm moving on to what's the next area of healthcare where we can improve care for our patients and create new procedures and new so solutions. So have you been able to clone yourself to <laughs> teach others to be exactly like you, to well, pass it down, train others, pass it down? We see more and more this sort of culture well, of like, oh, I don't want to teach this skill well, to anyone else no no, no that's no, no it's all mm -hmm. about no for me it's all about uh enabling other people mm -hmm. to be successful mm -hmm. um there's a certain amount of skill you need but there's also character there's ambition there's other things you need and one of the things that's unique to the people who are trained at the institute are this inherent uh interest in collaborative solutions mm -hmm. if you walk into uh, an institution and it's all about you um and, and nowadays even in the medical school uh, we're, we're teaching medical school about collaborative decision-making at the medical student level because most of us were trained that as a physician you reach a pinnacle. Mm -hmm. You're responsible for making these life and death decisions mm -hmm. and or doing these life or death procedures and it all rests on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. It's a very different world today and um, uh, some people are threatened by that world and that level, you know, kind of decision-making and certainly we need captains of ships and things like that. But I measure success on our fellows and people who have gone out and whether they're able to introduce change and innovation because one of the things we do a little bit more um, on the non-cardiac side than the cardiac side, let's just bundle that, is um, have to change culture in many hospitals. Cardiology, interventional cardiology as a discipline has really accomplished so much in terms of organization, contribution to science, working together collaboratively, the model that was used for TAVR. Um, was an incredible milestone. I think if we'd done that on the vascular side, instead of the turf wars, we'd have a yeah. much different landscape today.
No, there's no question. Yeah. So what's your favorite restaurant in Miami? Oh, since you know. Um, in Miami, my favorite restaurant is El Gabiano. El Gabiano. El Gabiano. Okay. It's on the Miami River, Italian oh, okay. place. So it's 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 the family that used to run Il Molino here oh, in New York. Oh, okay, good. And, so that's uh, a good yeah, place. So, so that's a connection. So I'll have to remember There's that. There's another one that's opened up, uh, and of course the old favorite is always Joe's for stone crabs oh, yeah, in the season. Uh, it's a and little too commercial, though. There's a couple of neighborhood. We have, we're, we have one of the things about Miami cuisine is that um, it, it's 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 very uh, mixed ethnically in mm -hmm. a very different way than let's say New York or Chicago is. We have a lot of uh, Latin American cuisine, so yeah, Peruvian is, is very possible, uh, very popular. There's a number of really great per mm -hmm. Peruvian restaurants where you can get ten different types of fresh ceviche yeah, uh, made for you, cool. or uh, Colombian, Argentinian, well, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, so we all have to, <laughs> well, next time we're going to call, but this is yeah. going to help okay, those guys okay. for sure. sure. Um, family, you've yeah. always been such a family man. Yeah. I love your wife. Yeah. She's Thank amazing. You. She's, Thank you very much. Um, Tell us about your family and so, where are they all? So uh, my wife, first of all, has been a partner for me. Amazing when you're woman. young, yeah. And most people around the world, when we travel, know her. Oh, yes, uh, I, you know know her. I know her. I think she's a little bit better very, than you. Yeah, she's she's very <laughs> supportive. And um, when we had small children, she she reminds me of uh, the first time I got an invitation to Australia. Um, I was young, I think finishing my fellowship a couple of uh -huh. years out, but I'd done maybe a hundred angioplasties and things were really hot. Uh -huh. And I said, we got this invitation to Australia and you couldn't just fly to Australia in no, those days. Course. It was, it was uh, Laura, she says, um, she said, but we have three young kids and what are we gonna do? I said, well, you have a year, you have a year to work it out. Let's plan, we're going, all right? Cause, oh, wow. And I said to her, I said, you know, this stuff I'm doing now, it's, it's really hot, but it's a fad. This is going to be over in two years. All right. <laughs> and 30-something <laughs> right. years later, of that. Yeah. and you're still well, doing it. Well, part of innovation and being an innovative person is culturally and characteristically, it's all about change. So as long as there's a status quo, I'm going after it. So. Well, and, and next week is Thanksgiving. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I want to thank you yeah. for all that you have given to us. Uh, for this conversation, um, for letting the world get to know you a little bit better, uh, and that's what getting Thank to know you is about. Uh, and uh, you are an amazing, you're a mensch. You know, yeah. I, I don't know how many <laughs> people could could say that about many people in our um, subspecialty, but you've always been collaborative, always humble, always a mentor, always passing it on. And most importantly, you've always given credit to your to, to the people that you've trained and, and to your team. And then, of course, um, a family man. Those are really, really uh, unique features these days. And your contributions to our field has been so incredibly palpable as we see it now moving forward. And you've passed it on. And uh, keep it going. They're well, very lucky there in Miami. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Roxanne, and congratulations to you uh, and every everyone at CRF for the incredible contributions you've made, not only to our field, but to education. And doing this kind of a unique interaction and sharing it with people, uh, um, you, what you've done with your career has been uh, incredible. And what CRF is doing continually to advance our field uh, in, in every possible way is, is just And I know you're thing. personally committed to train more women in, uh, oh, in oh, yeah. endovascular well, therapies. Yeah, we have two women fellows I know year. you do, <laughs> and, 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 and there are more women. My first in partner actually, was a woman. Yeah, I know. 
And so for that reason, yeah. uh, you're even a bigger mensch <laughs> in my book. Thank you. So I loved getting to know you, yes. Dr. Katzen. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Signing off, Rocks Heart Radio, Roxana Moran. <laughs>